Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. From Montana to Mexico, Texas to Tajikistan, Alaska to Asia, Colorado to Canada, we hunt the world, and you can too. Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level? Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? But didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. You know, you say that enough and you don't know, uh, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, I'm like, should I spruce it up? Should I say, hey, everyone? Sound like that guy that's uh, announcing boxers. But anyway, speaking of. Let's get ready, ready to podcast. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a podcast? It's a trademark saying. Oh, you can't say I that, wanna, can hey, you? Can you trademark mine? That stupid whistle at the end? It's like beast mode for that football yeah. player. Oh, is that what this world is so upside down? Who's that football player? There's Lynch. I'm identifying it. Hey, I'm identifying as somebody I'm not right now, so nobody can sue me. Because didn't Cameron Haynes use beast mode, but Marshawn Lynch did it, so he couldn't use it. He couldn't use it. Yep. Yeah. So he had to come up with what keep hammering is what he came up with. So here's unfortunate reality: I don't watch pro football. Yeah, me neither. My my son. Oh, that was loud. My son was. uh, um, Hey, you know what? I should probably do as a proper introduction. We got uh, Brad, Dana, Brian, Martin, and Bleep here, and so there we've been. uh, I had I had people in here, and I unfortunately introduced uh, Mr. Leslie as Bleep. It's like, oh, let me let me tell you his real name. (laughs) Oh, that's that's really good though. (laughs) This is Bleep. I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. So Noah Noah was uh, up in Deadwood, and they're sitting on a table gambling with his buddy which i don't condone but they're i guess they're adults so they're up there entertaining themselves he said he sets a limit but anyway that's um, i digress so he's sitting there and he said there's this very attractive gal sitting next to him and uh and she's he's talking to her and she's talking to him and she has a pebble this on her left hand about the size of a skateboard and uh he's like dude and and she was super attractive and so they're sitting there talking, and, and he, uh, she introduces himself herself. She goes, hi, what's your name? And then Noah goes, well, my name is Noah Maimon. Blah, blah, blah. I'm from Spearfish. Where are you from? And she says, well, I, uh, she goes, um, I'm so-and-so, and you might know my husband. And it was, it was the, the Heisman Trophy winner a couple of years ago or three or four years ago. He's the quarterback for the uh, – Oh, I um, know who you're talking about. Um, he was Oklahoma's quarterback. Yeah, Yep. Yeah, and now he isn't he for the Bears or uh, something? What the heck's his name anyway? And he did um, some commercial in a robe for. That's how much I. So if you're listening here and your guys, your guys are yelling out the name at us, we can't hear you. We can't hear you in your car yelling back at us, but we get it because my son's like today, even at lunch, he's like, dude, you seriously don't know who that is. I said, listen, I could give two shits about the NFL. You know what I'm saying? National Football League that pays people all this money, and now I'm gonna have to sure. look it up. But anyway. Um, hey, listen, uh, we've digressed significantly from what we were going to talk about, right? So in, in this series, we've been, we've been trying to help you guys with what to do on the offseason, help ourselves, you know, revisiting some of this. The teacher always uh, um, learns best when he's teaching or she's teaching, right? So anyway, um, we're going to talk today about uh, get, being prepared in the offseason with your rifle. And I'm going to go so far as to add your bow. 
um, a couple things to do with your bow that you can be doing too. Because some of our listeners might not be giant rifles, you know, hunters. They might be um, archers. And so, um, but uh, I know these guys, everybody shoots here a lot. I shot today personally, but you guys shoot all the time. So uh, I don't know. Why don't you grab this and tell us what you're thinking? Baker Mayfield. Yes. I saw my son asked me if I knew who he was. Sorry to interrupt. But he goes, Dad, do you know who Baker Mayfield is? And I go, I do. And I said, why? And he goes, well, he's in Spearfish. And I go, what? And he goes, what, what he, team? I don't know. He plays for, I don't Cleveland know. He's, oh, is he Cleveland Browns? He was Oklahoma's quarterback. I recognize right? the name, but I, I don't know much about him. Yeah, so he's he's been in Spearfish, and uh, you know, and his family and everybody's been up in Deadwood and all over around here for you know a little bit. I, he should be in camp now, don't they have early spring camp mandatory? Mandatory? Is that pro football? No, I thought again? last week because you know why? Oh yeah, um, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers there. said, oh. um, which I appreciate. Yeah. But who does Aaron? You know, it's like a chick. You don't ever want to. You know, if you cheated on a gal with another gal, you probably don't want to hook up with that gal long term because if she was willing to cheat on you. Uh, with you, with another dude, or with, yeah, yeah. We, you, we you what understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm getting confused here because I've never had this problem. But I, I would be worried about it. But but my point is, Aaron Rodgers, he thinks right. Oh, I'm all set. But what they did to Brett Favre, they're doing to him now. But he thought he was impervious to that. This makes me. But laugh. Brett Favre fit that community. Uh, oh, Aaron doesn't. He does not really probably the best fit as far as what he likes to do and his personality. No, he's not a redneck hunter. Well, John John Elway, he spends. Uh, he used to stay at. Uh, well, I Who? shouldn't say John. El <laughs> For the rally, I think he he stays in Spearfish. Really? Yeah. Well, you know what? Spearfish is a fun little town. It's an amazing little place, and they're going to have to pat my face with a shovel here because I sure love it. So anyway, let, let's, uh, let's, let's give everybody kind of what we do in the offseason. I know today we went down and uh, uh, I, I grabbed a rifle that we needed to get out today and zeroed it. And, uh, um, and one of the things I would do, and, and you guys can jump in here, but uh, since you're not, I'm just going to tell you, one of the things I – um, enjoy doing is today when I took a new rifle down there with a new scope on it, it was bore sided and uh, um, whoever bore sided did a phenomenal job, whichever one of you two yahoos did it. He did that um, one. Because it, 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 it was literally one and a quarter minute low at a, I, I aimed at my spot. I had my so first of all, so we we shoot we like to shoot an MOA reticle that uh, we can use as a ruler, if you will. So I zeroed it. I, I focused it or zoomed it way back out. Shot it. Hit. I was like, dude, that hit right where I was supposed to. Six five Creedmoor doesn't kick much. Braked. Anyway, I was like, so I'll go right to paper. Second shot. I was a minute and a quarter low, directly below zero. So I moved it up. What? That's right. Two, two and, and a half, half minutes and shot my third shot, center punched it, shot a group and said, um, actually, I shot a group low because it was low. I shot my group, then moved it up, and then the, and I shot real quick again, brought it back in. Somebody's getting a hell of a rifle. But my point is, one of the things I love to do is I love to take my rifles out and make sure they're on zero, and when they are on zero, do that little practice myself. Try to follow the shot as best as I can and see what power um, when I'm shooting is the power that I can pick up the bullet 
at what yardage. You see what I'm saying? So if it's full power, do I pick it up at 250? Do I pick it up at 300 yards? Um, what do I do? And I know when we go shoot, it's always fun to see wh where you can do that at because I think one of the big mistakes people make is that they always have their scope on full power all the time. And they're, they're anticipating trying to get, and you really don't need it. And uh, I, I know I hunt with it on low power, only move it up when I'm ready to shoot, you know. You turn it up only as high as you need to. Exactly. So, but I like doing that. And the other thing, I like working on my groups. I love working on my trigger squeeze, just, and, you know, just, just building that, burying my eye on the reticle. And uh, we should talk about that a little bit too. So we're going to talk about, uh, rifle maintenance and keeping your shooting skills sharp. And I guess I already started talking about it. There you go. Boom. And and, and you wanted to mention bows, too, because a lot of people. Yeah. We're going to talk we're a little bit about We're going to work in archery, too. Yeah. So, but uh, that's that's some of the things I do to keep my shooting skills sharp. One of the things, if, if, if you're sitting here listening right now, take both your index fingers and point them, um, point them uh, backside of your hand together, okay? Um, so point one straight up in the air, your left index finger straight up in the air with the back of your hand facing you. Then take your right hand and point that index finger straight up in the air. And don't finger me like <laughs> Brad is right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, Brad, wrong finger. Brad, Brad doesn't follow instructions. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on your, your f the front, the front um, uh, basically fingernail, okay? Now look at your front fingernail, line the two of them up together, and look at your front fingernail. Now focus on your back fingernail. Now focus on your front fingernail. Are you noticing, and keep going back and forth, are you noticing that your eyeball can't focus on both of them at one time? It's physically impossible. And so with whether you're shooting a bow or a rifle, it's imperative for you to understand that concept because um, Randy Ulmer taught this in his, uh, in his shooting approach with an archer, as an archer, that when you have that pin on that target, do you focus on the target or do you focus on the pin? And he says you focus on the pin. Now, we've shot with Navy SEAL snipers, and they say you focus on the reticle. The reticle is the pin in archery. And, and a reticle is, you know, the, the pin in archery and the reticle in a, in, a, in a scope. But I focus, I really, really focus, like even today in, in that short time down there, I just focus on that reticle and try to get it as crisp as I can on the center of that target. And I'm telling you, it might help you guys. That's one of the things I always, always work on because if my mind does that, then when I go to target downfield, I'm focused on the reticle, not the horns. And, and, and your mind will take over in the field from what you practice all the time. And pick a spot on the animal. Yep, pick a spot. Or if it's a rock or if it's a whatever, a piece of cardboard, pick a crease in it, pick a little chip on the rock. Don't know, shoot at the rock. Great point. Because you got to shoot at the animals. If you just shoot at the animal, that's why guys got shoot animals. That's why guys, that's why they hit them in the horns. They look at the horn, they're looking at the horns more than they are the, the, the kill zone. And they just end up shooting at the animal. It's like when you're driving down the road, if you focus on the power line or the, and the power pole, when you're on black ice, you'll hit the power pole. If you focus on an open spot on the road to keep it on the road, you'll st usually stay on that open spot unless it's a complete wreck. And that's the same thing with rifle. You do hit where you focus on. So you got to focus. And the, with a rifle, you can focus the eyepiece, right, which gives the, the crosshairs in focus. And then you got your parallax, which makes everything. So you actually you're focused on everything at once with a rifle. But with a bow or an open sight or a shotgun, I'm the same thing. As you get older, especially, it's harder for your eyes to focus on two things. So one becomes quite blurry. Yep. 
You well, know? I would say one of his points was good because how many people do we see that show up here and they don't have their scope focused to their eye? Yeah, I, I was going to say that. That's yeah. a pretty good place to start. I would say start, you know, you can always start all over at the beginning of the year. I mean, I don't know when the beginning of the year is for you, but um, I don't, I, I get plenty of groups shot. So I, that's, I think that's important. I think one of the other things, we see people who don't focus their scope to their eye. They don't have a reticle crisp. How many people show up here, especially, and you can tell it more when they're a little bit older, because the young people, their eyes, it doesn't matter what their scope looks like. They can no, focus much on better. it. Yeah. But uh, their guns are not zeroed properly. Um, we usually see, uh, I, I would work on those groups like you talked about, get a really good zero. And a really good zero means whatever range you're getting it sighted in for, it's not half a minute high or half a minute left or pretty darn close, it's zeroed. So get it zeroed so then all your data falls into place. I would say get your data. Make sure your data, I mean, you don't want to walk into the field without having good data. Get your dope and make sure it's right. Well, the other thing I, I think, you know, um, before we all start doing this together, um, I experimented with lots of different bullets. You know what I'm saying? I would go buy bullets, and I would. I used you don't. To get you guns didn't and never ammo. load. I never loaded. Ne you yep. You loaded really by point. you loaded by going to the store, and I, that's one of my points too, is make sure you have enough of the right it's, ammo. It's like a sample test loads. Yep. Yeah, that, you, that, that's how I did it. You'd you know, buy you'd buy you 14 me. boxes yes. of seven mags. That's why I have all kinds of junk ammo. And I was like, oh brother, we're not doing that. I'm but loading it, your stuff. <laughs> right, but but that so so I never loaded. And but I knew the importance of having the gun like the ammo right. and and the pairing of it. Obviously, I went to the schools and did all that stuff. So so yeah, I would just go down and and I was always testing new ammo. And when you said true zero, if I found an ammo I liked, I had like slip my turrets. Let's get this sucker zeroed. Have you and always like, zeroed at uh, two hundred? I've always zeroed at two hundred. Yeah, me too. I've always zeroed well, at two hundred. Probably actually at one point you zeroed at three hundred. Yeah. I, there was a point when I would bet all of us before we got really before our range in, finders we right did zero we did two and a half inches high and I, I always did in. I always did an inch and a quarter to an inch Good and job. a half high at a hundred and the reason being is because honestly I didn't shoot a very big gun very often um, and my introduction the cool thing about my introduction to rifle hunting so I grew up on a farm in Iowa and it's bow hunting shotgun hunting bow hunting muzzle shotgun. loader whatever yeah not even Pr really. primitive weapon when I was a kid even muzzle loading like was like a hundred yard would be extremely shit man you bought the kit from Cabela's right. and 40 50 Hawkins. yards yeah the Hawkins kit the Hawkins I remember my caliber. brother had one by god it was a real 50 caliber yeah and and, <laughs> and I used to think how much damn work is this right. you know so but but so when I started shooting a rifle, I went and bought, I went to a gun store and got a 223 to come out here to go a prairie dog hunting with. I didn't even know, you know, I, I knew very little. I started reading and reading and reading. Ammo was inexpensive, fairly flat rifle, could get it. I got, and I went in to buy a 22 250. They didn't have one. In, in the store I went into, the guy had a 223. He had a Browning A bolt medallion. Um, and, uh, and I bought that sucker. I took it, I put a night force scope on it and, and that was my first gun ever. And then three weeks after I got back from my first prairie dog shoot, I flew to Texas 
with that rifle and that scope, and that was my very first long-range rifle. I got there, right. and, and Texas Pistols like, ooh, that's a pretty and small they were well caliber. And well-known 20 year, 15, 20 years ago. <laughs> What's that? A lot of my friends from there took that shooting school yeah. years ago. Yeah, years ago. 15, 20, 20 years ago. Yeah, it was 20 years ago for me. Yeah. And, and so that was my first. So everything I had, I almost feel blessed because I came in the right way. Right. Because I had a mentor, like you always say. Yeah. I, I, I would call down there, right? I would talk to those guys. And they'd say, oh, no, no, do this. If you're buying, if you're going to do that, buy this, buy right. this. And that's what I did. Well, I went to, I, there was a period where I, where I did 100-yard zero. But usually on our hunting rifles, it's all 200-yard zeros. But uh, I would say that's a good place to start. Get your, get your scope focused to your eye. And a lot of people don't. We see, I would say, more people come to Spearfish without having their yep. scope focused than do. I would, I would say, say most come to the, don't even know how the, to do it. Right. I would say also making sure yeah. making sure you have a proper cheek weld on your rifle. Almost never do we have somebody show up with that. I would I would work on that. I would also say um, that summer's a good time to strip your rifle down, take it out of the stock, clean the heck out of it. Because there is rust. Even on a stainless yep. gun, it'll rust clean the up trigger. around the trigger. Yep. I, I try to take mine. Like you guys saw... I, Take I, I, I had my bolts torn apart the other day, and they were sitting out, out in the sun. It was 100 degrees, and I had they them They were baking out there. To they were soaked in seal one. I was getting it to soak into all the pores, and then I'd dry it off. So I'll do that. You know, probably my bolt gets seal one four or five times a year at least, maybe more. But, I, but you can even take that, you know, get your, strip your bolt and get all the grease out of it. Um, get a nice dry lube on it. Get that sucker ready to go. Go into the season with your gun cleaned and at least a box of shells shot through it. That's what I do. Brian doesn't shoot that much, I know, on a clean barrel. But I, I make sure I have a, a box, at least a box of shells shot through it before I'm ready to go hunting. Have it cleaned, zeroed, your dope collected, your optic focused to your eye, good zero. And uh, that's a pretty good start. And we, you know, we also tell people... We'd like them to buy uh, seven boxes of ammo, set two aside. That way they're all from the same lot. Of course, in 2021, the Jimmy Biden era, that's hard to do. I just got, I just got um, five cases of six, five, uh, six, five, uh, six Creedmoor 108, just Ooh, so you know. Six, nice. Um, How many cases? Five. So and they're 200 rounds per case. Yep. So good. That, that, uh, that helps a lot for the summer. But anyway... Um, so, so explain. I mean, uh, explain the best way to focus the eye, eye uh, the eyepiece. Well, it it all depends. Every gun's a little different, but like scope. What, or scope. I'm sorry. What I like about the uh, Leopold's is traditionally that that back end, right? The ocular lens. Mm -hmm. it, you just turn it in Loosen or out. up the locking ring. Yep, there's a locking ring in the front on the which threads. is really nice too. So if you look in the back of where your eye box is at, that ocular lens. You go in the front and you just loosen that ring up. Then you can twist your ring left and right. And what I do personally is I take it out. The best way to do it on is on my patio on the blue sky. Blue sky. Yep. Or white clouds. Or, a, yep. One of the two. Yep. Or a white piece of paper, but a sky is good actually. Yep. yep. And then just twist it until it almost looks like it's so crisp and clear. You know how when you were, were a kid and you could see a magic marker and your eyes was so and if, young. And if you do that, you should put your parallax on infinity probably if you're looking at the sky. Or, yep. That's right? what I would do. The, the parallax, but if you do put your parallax on infinity, it's just going to be. It'll be fine anyway. for it'll be fine for uh, the long range stuff though. Yeah, yeah, and then then you get your 
Then you get your reticle set. Then you can mess with your parallax. I've never, you know, I, I know Leupold has that thing where you can set your parallax. You know, right. I've they, never I, done it. Because I'm just I always haven't either. Just I've never done it. Anyway. But they do have the ability, at least on the old ones, I haven't even looked at these, but you can uh, you can set it and zero it, which isn't a bad idea to set it at no. 100 and make sure it's... No, so I think your point is really good. I think that uh, I'd make this sure. This and here's the other thing, you guys. If you're sitting here listening, going, "Dude, I have no idea. I got an idea for you." One six zero five six four four eight thousand. Call Brad. Call Brian. Call myself. And just ask, email us. Ask. Go click on uh, get more info on our web. It's on almost everything. It says get info. You know, help me with this. Um, and send us an email. One of us will get back to you, and we can help you get that. I mean, if you're going, oh, I don't even know where I'm at with this, having your scope and your cheek weld set to your eye, I mean, how much, I mean, you're, you both are fanatical about it. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially if you're shooting prone. If you're shooting standing, um, which is more the run and gun style or Africa, the cheek weld is not as critical. Right. But it's really critical when you're laying prone on an animal for 10, 20 minutes waiting for him to stand up and you're holding your head up, you don't have a clear, and it sinks down, it's, it's hard on your neck. So that's where the cheek weld is really important for prone shooting. I also think it's important for bank shooting with sticks. We, we, we run with hammers all the time, right? The hammer sticks with the little carbon, by, uh, carbon tips, tips on them. And, and I like to throw down that. Yeah, for sitting and kneeling. Yep, sitting and kneeling or throwing over a pack. I just like it because if my cheek weld is right and I lay it down, that eye box, boom, I have because I shoot with both eyes open. I prefer to shoot with both eyes and you, open. And so. the best is if you can learn to do it, it's always better because it gives you depth of perception. Yes. And you're not squinting there. When you're squinting there like that, it, it's annoying. And um, it just doesn't it, – it gives you a headache. For some people, it gives them a headache. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you know, as far as shooting groups, that's great too, but shoot groups. But I think getting out and shooting with your sticks, um, shoot – Shoot some. I think you should shoot some prone. What I like to do is, it's funny. I was driving around uh, with my family up in the uh, up in the hills this weekend for Father's Day, and uh, I was I was eyeballing. Oh, this would be a perfect canyon to shoot across. Oh, here's a canyon. I need to come back and shoot across. I like to shoot across canyons because it gives you a good sense of the wind and it, it plays with different thermals and currents. So I tried we to do that. We should probably take a buggy ride. <laughs> I know. And uh, um, see if we couldn't figure something out there. Yeah. I, it sounds like that, we need to go shoot there. Yeah, we do. Um, but I like to shoot across canyon. I like to shoot down canyon. I like to shoot up canyon. I like to practice all that stuff. Oosh. I like to shoot prone. I like to uh, definitely well, it's do, like Rob's shooting do some stuff. That, that shooting yep. school is a good shooting school because of that. Really good. Yep. And but even the 22 things he did and we that we've integrated into ours. Uh, well, that, I think that would be a good replacement, especially now, instead of banging away with your 7 mag or, I, you know, six, personally. You well, trigger time is key. doesn't matter. Dry yep. firing, 22-ing, um, 17, low recoil, cheap. Even yep. with expensive ammo, it's still way cheaper than center fire. It really is, and yep. and it keeps you tuned. I love dry firing. You can't dry fire a bow if you're listening to this. That would not be very good. Don't try that. But I, I will tell you this. If you're shooting, if you're getting prepared to shoot in the offseason with your bow, and people think, oh, I don't have a 30 or a 50 or a 100-yard range. The funny thing is, is when we bring people into these shooting courses and we're trying to give them uh, and get their, build their shooting schools, what do we call it, the uh, fundamentals of... Fundamentals uh, of marksmanship. Fundamentals of marksmanship. It takes us the longest at 100 and 200 
And people are like, some of them get a little impatient because right. they're like, "What are you guys doing this for? What are you doing this for? If you can't get it down at 100 and 200, it's like blueprinting <laughs> a motor on a race car, right? You, you're never going to get a thousand. But my point to that is, people used to say, "Oh man, I got to have all this yards." Well, I used to shoot competitive archery all the time, and one of the things that um, a guy by the name of Gene Drinkman taught me was um, just go up to your a sheet of paper or your target somewhere. And do it at 10 yards. All you need is a 10-yard shooting range. And stick your arrow into five spots on, on there. And you'd have five, basically, spots the size of an aspirin. And then at 10 yards, you just burn that reticle onto that aspirin spot. Like you said, pick a spot. And see how many times out of those five arrows, you could dump that arrow into that same hole at 10 yards. Because if you can hit the same arrow hole at 10 yards, then at 40 to 50 yards, it's literally the exact same motion. Well, right? that's one of the things we talk about is, so you were working on precision and accuracy, and a lot of people will just go out and shoot for precision. I want to see the tightest group I can get, but not for accuracy. And you're working on both with that. With that, you're precision working on both. And accuracy. Precision and accuracy. And th and that that I mean, I don't even know where Gene's at today, but he was one of the best shooters I ever. You know, he he was always in the top three to five in the IBO when that was big. And uh, th th and I I sat there on the range one day and I was like, dude, they need to have a 40 yard course for us to warm up because it was just a short. And he goes, 10 yards. He goes, it's all about consistency. And I'm like, what? And he says, oh, let me show you something. This is what I do. Boom, 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 boom. He went up to that target and punched 10 holes into a place that had never been shot. And it was an uh -huh. Excelsior bill, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. And he went boom, boom. And, and he just sat back there and just punched those holes right. at 10 yards, you know, three quivers full, and pulled his arrows shooting and said, your, Let's Shooting go. your 300. Yeah. <laughs> shooting your 300. Just a different, different strategy of shooting your 300. Ex exactly. And, and, and so if you're living – you know, I know Cameron Haynes always uh, shows him – now it's the cute thing that he's in his living room having a cup of coffee, shooting in his house and stuff. Um, and Brandon Neal's always shooting in his garage, and people are always going, you're shooting right by your uh, um, fancy truck there. Um, but that he doesn't even use for hunting. Now, yes, I'm talking to you, Brandon Neal. Yes, you, Brandon Neal. So, but 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 that's good stuff. It keeps you sharp, right? Right. Uh, it it can help. Or it can hurt. It can't hurt. Every Trigger time. Every rep is a is a, is a, not every rep's a good rep, but every rep's better than no rep. So well, so, oh, I was going to say about we're setting up the gun. Um, a lot of a lot of the guys here that are listening may have not had their gun set up as good as it could have as far as the scope being perfectly level or the eye, eye relief. So if the eye relief is not quite where it should be, too far back or too far forward, this is the time of year to either take it to a gun shop or learn how to do it yourself and tune your turn, tune the reticle, uh, everything so it's everything is in, in line. And, and Brad and I, when we were going out shooting, we found some of these newer scopes, some of the less expensive ones we put on the 22s. You can't base the squareness of the scope and the level of reticle to to the scope itself, the outside of the scope. Right. So we actually the casing of the scope isn't level to the reticle. So we right. used a Wheeler Industries tool that clamps onto your barrel. You leveled the action the best you could, mm -hmm. and then you put the barrel level on, which gives you reference point. Then you take off the level that's on your on your receiver, and it's easier on a Picatinny rail. Some of these guns are harder. Weaver, I mean Wheeler also makes a device that slides in your action for 700s and Winchester Model 70s. And so that's pretty close. But actually this weekend, I was, sh and, and um, the gunsmith was showing me, he said what he does, he said that's not as critical as, you know, some of the guns are not perfectly, you know, level like we found. Um, 
So if you get the gun as level as you can, and then what we did is we, we put the gun in a gun vise and went back to a beam inside the shop that was perfectly up and down. And then I leveled the scope so the gun was in the vise, level with the Wheeler product on the barrel. And then I took the, the reticle and I twisted it until it was perfectly up and down with a beam. And so if you're at the shooting range, you don't have a beam. You can take, um, Brad has like a five or six foot level. Yeah. Like a and contractor's level. A and we put butcher paper and draw mm -hmm. a line horizontal. They can also. So then what you do is you track it. So if you track the scope, turn it all the way up and actually watch if that line, if your scope is tracking perfectly up and down the line, that's also a good sign that everything is alignment. If it's not lined up right, it'll track off. So if you're inside a building, which were only like 30 yard, thirty feet, 40 feet, it won't track as good because it, it, the motion is small. But you put it out there at 100 yards, and if you don't have a, a good vertical line, you can track on the horizontal plane also. The vertical plane is more important. But we track the scope, and then you know for sure that everything's aligned. Then so when the scope is perfectly aligned, then you set your level on, and now you level your you, you level the level with the scope and it's tracking perfectly. So even if your scope, let's say, was off a little bit, but the, the, the tracking is perfect when you level it, it's consistently the same. So when you shoot and you dial up to 1,000 yards, you're not going to be slightly right or slightly left. And that's one of the reasons you don't want to cant your gun. And that's why if you have your scope mounted incorrectly and you have a natural cant to it and you don't have the bubble level on it, the, the key is the consistency. So when you're shooting with a bubble level, you know as long as the bubble level hasn't moved, everything is perfect. And I would also recommend checking all your mounts yes. if you haven't Loctited them. If you don't know it's a gun you bought or haven't checked in a year, you know, take the scope off. Check all the base screws. Make sure there's nothing stripped. Make sure that they're nice and snug either. Some bases are 20-inch pounds. Some are 25. If you have a machined-in Picatinny rail, obviously there's no base screws. A few of the new custom guns do that. Um, but that's really critical to do that. And then also the, I, I, I take the stock off like we talked about, clean the trigger. You can use some as a brake cleaner works well on some of these triggers. If it's a seal trigger like a Trigger Tech or the the Bix and Andy, you don't really clean that part. But the jewels, the factory triggers, the the, um, the, the if it's really grimy, I I don't usually use brake cleaner unless the trigger is a disaster. Just lighter fluid and a pressure and some pressure, um, and one of those little aerosol cans or a, a pressure hose from a um, air compressor also works well. And those little screw uh, little nylon uh, toothbrushes to clean everything up with. Well, Brian does a good job tearing people's guns apart for him. Most of them come with a bad cheek weld uh, for them set up, a bad, you know, the iron rings. Well, on the last shooting school, every gun that, they, that came here that somebody else has set up, I hate to say, everything was torqued improperly and everything was too loose. You and you tore, can over-tighten stuff, too. You tore everything apart. Almost every one of them was loose. None of them were locked. We used blue Loctite or fingernail polish. Yep. And none of, I, did any of those guns have any uh, thread locker on them? No. No. You, you know what? One of the things I want to uh, add is you make the reference of the way you're lining that side up and making sure that scope's tracking exactly right. That is that is almost identical to what you want to do with your bow. The bow's very the similar. Third axis sights. You've got to have three three points of contact, no. level it from there, you know. And, and the, boy's it, more, the bow's more critical than a rifle. It, it really Because out is. to two, three hundred yards, really, you could have uh, a disaster. It's funny, it's funny I said it because I just went, if you're shooting 300 yards and you're listening to Brian Martin, you're probably going, what the hell do I need that to go to 300 yards? You don't. But if you're going to go to Marco Polo and go to 500 yards, yes, you do. Well, if the, you're going to shoot at seven or 800 well, yards, the, you absolutely Well, the difference to. is at 300 yards with a properly tuned gun and no wind, 
you can shoot the animal in the center of the heart. If you have yeah. an improperly tuned gun that's like jerry-rigged and thrown together, yeah, you'll, 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 you'll get him in the lungs someplace. But now at 600 yards, you might not get him anywhere in the body cavity other exactly. than the guts or a broken leg. And that's a difference. So if you can make a 600-yard shot seem easy at the range, then a 300-yard shot in the wild, you have Funny. perfect con- You know if you miss. It is 100% human error. It's not gun error. I've had guns that I've shot, and I know it's more gun error than human error. And that's really frustrating. It's like driving a car with loose steering, and you go around a corner, right? And the, and the well, it's like Brian's, Brian's not very uh, forgiving when somebody. <laughs> no, and I get it. It's it's no, like, it's no different than the sheep right. hunt. Right. The outfitter's sitting there thinking it's right. me. I was thinking it was me because you can't blame the gun. But then when we looked at the video. You know, you can't you can't compensate for a bad call right. when you send the bullet and you put it where you, the guy told you to put it, and the bullet you, goes there. You need to have your that goes back to you have to have you have to know your dope. You shouldn't be gone. You shouldn't be going out in the field. But here's my point: not knowing to that. your dope. That's part of it. You want to keep your shooting skills sharp, and you have a hunting buddy. Go shoot with them. The three of us shoot yeah. all the time together. Right. We 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 know we know the uh, um. We know the wind call. We, I mean, we're all within a court. It's funny because you know, we're all One of the things that we, we do that's super fun, I think, is because, uh, I mean, we might spend 30, 40, 50 days out in a certain place that we spend a lot of time at. And a lot of times I'll say, okay, you see that rock, and uh, let's each range it. No, don't give each other the wind call. We shoot off sticks. And, you know, a lot of times it's 1,000-yard shot, 1,100 yards. So it's, we're trying to stretch it. Yeah, and the and problem is when I shoot first and I hit it all the time, you guys are like, oh, sh- now i got to figure out what his wind call But is. it's kind of like a do or die. Ah, that's, that's, funny, th- that's a fun little game. Yeah, and it's it a is, fun little no. story that you have, too. It is. No, that's That's make-believe. Um, that's, is that where the unicorn is standing that's, on top that, of the that's hill? That's Brad's <laughs> fantasy land. So, <laughs> but, anyway. But I would say that the range is where you tune your gun. Yeah. And then when you leave the range is where you tune yourself. Yes, I agree. Basically, you tune your you tune the gun at the bench where you take out the human factor. Yeah, and then when you go, well, out, you tune the gun, you tune yourself when you leave the bench. So there's two things I want to add. You guys are bringing so many things in my mind. One of the things I used to do all the time in the off season when I was coyote hunting like a freak, I would go out and get on a big cut bank up in the uh, hills here. And you know those little uh, um, those little shooting balls that are kind of all yep. webbed that you throw? I'd hook them out as far as I could and then hike off and then go try to shoot them off of sticks. And I would practice that way. Puff from balls. My, so when you're talking about that, that, that was something and that – Golf balls that are when great I went, fun. Once I knew my rifle was on, now I wanted to go test myself. You know what I'm saying? And I want to get sharp. Right. Um, but those are good. But I wanted to go back real quick to three points of reference to uh, shooting. One of the things in the offseason that you can be doing if you're shooting archery is this is the time to try a new site. If you said there's a new site on there, slap a new site on. Um, new bubbles. Um, don't go hunting with a brand new bubble for the first time, and you now you, you got a big deer coming in, and your eye goes to where the old bubble was, or where you're used to seeing it, or how you're used to seeing it, and you're you're messing off your bubble level. Um, rest, same thing, um, and then releases. Um, now's the time to try your new release. And the other thing is, is I always clean my releases and would go tune them up in the off season, and a lot of archers just don't do that. And um, and then try to get away from overdrawing if you're an archer. In my, my encouragement, guys like to put their thumb behind their neck and you know lock it in. And I, you know, and I, I even see some of the big guys do that. You know that you see on YouTube. I, I 
you know, it might work for them. Long-term, that's going to build some type of target panic. Um, Long-term, it's, it's, it's just not right. Um, you don't see the guys that are winning all the, the, the you know, the shoots doing that. Yeah. They just don't. Well, with a rifle, people practice with a bow about tenfold more than they do with a rifle. And that's why when I, when I see a guy with a rifle... Tenfold? They, more like 10,000-fold. But they, they, they really feel... Com- I see the guys at the it's a shooting school, and they just look awkward behind it. it I mean, it looks right. like they're humping a bag of potatoes. Yeah, monkey humping a football. Yeah, whatever you call it. I mean, they're just un- they're awkward. The they, can't, they can't get their eye, and that's why it's really important. That's why it's really important to get the eye relief and everything, right? No, you're and, exactly and, and right. And when you're tuning the scope, you're talking about the eyepiece, right? Getting the reticle perfectly black. So... If you don't do that, what will happen is if you, if you like guys will try and tune it with a parallax, and the parallax is off, so they'll overcompensate the parallax to make up for the eye thing that's screwed up. So when I do it, I always screw the thing all the way in, because then you don't want to start all the way out, because some guys you can actually unscrew the part of the scope on like a Leopold, Swarovski's, and some of the European ones you can't. I turn it all the way in. You, 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 you the ocular lens. Yeah, you're yeah the about. ocular. Yeah, yeah. This is on the eye, the the, yeah. the, the focus. Focusing. Yeah, for the it's not really focus. the focus. It can fo- if you don't have parallax on old scope, it kind of focuses and does everything. But it's basically your I call it your you know your your course for focus on, and it's also for the reticle. But I screw it all the way in, and then most young people are pretty close to all the way in if they have pretty good eyes. If you have if your eyes are a disaster, no wonder I was screwing it all the way out. Today. No, no, no. If you <laughs> guys that ha- you're you're far sighted, right? I don't know what I you can see he's, well. I you had can, to put you can five years ago. I had to put no. reticles on. He's, the last he's an old man, but you can now. see well at an animal Tall. without glasses. Oh yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, if you can see well with an animal without glasses, but you're you're a train wreck up close. Generally, train. those guys have to screw the eye piece out a lot more. So the younger I was, when my eyes were really my, more nearsighted, is more in. More farsighted is more out. Generally, so I start in and then I screw it out until the reticle is perfectly clear. And then I fine-tune the parallax. Other times, I've seen the parallax off two, 300 yards because it's not balanced, and the parallax kind of counteracts everything. But it, the, the, you're actually shooting on the wrong parallax, and that's another reason to do that. And, and I watch people do the same thing with a bow all the time. They, they, their peep sight's twisted a little bit, and they never take the time to get that peep sight totally square when they pull it back. Now, there those, there, there's those rubber correctors that you can stick on your limb to make right. sure. I'm, actually, if you're not crazy about getting your bow tuned, those have a place on your bow because that squares up that that uh that um yeah it yeah. straightens the straightens it, the peep out yeah so it straightens the peep it. out but your peep should make a perfect circle in a perfect anchor around your sight box or your um your sight yeah your your sight circle so if you're shooting a circled sight box and you have a peep the two of them should line up perfectly when you get it back and you find your anchor point you know um, but uh, it's the same thing, and guys don't adjust that. Then they get in the field. There's a little wind. There's some rain, and they're they're struggling with their peep sight. And then and a difference, forty yards, they hit them in the guts instead of pinwheeling them in the. It's shoulder. everything. It's everything. It's the same application. It's, it's something you can control. You can't control buck fever to a certain extent. You can't right. control the bad wind, but you can control your gun and archery setup so that when you release the the, the release or release the, your pressure on the finger. Um, I mean, you know, obviously, this would be a surprise. If you if you're punching the trigger, that's why it's really good to dry fire and practice. Get so you're not punching the trigger, because yep. that creates habit. If you're a shotgun shooter, you know, or you're shooting like pellet guns or whatever, you're shooting a nine mm that has a r- bad trigger on it, and then you go into a hunting rifle, you'll still start punching that yeah, trigger. Because you're anticipating this jerk or squeeze. Yeah, Let's and see. I like to check the trigger because I've had a few of my guns that I had some pre sixty four model seventies that the trigger actually lightened up as it got older and it got hair trigger. So I I, I went to Brownells and got a new trigger spring, 
and also got a new spring for the bolt. If you have an old gun that's like your dad's gun and you've never replaced a bolt spring, take it to a gunsmith and put a new bolt spring in too. Take that thing apart, degrease it. I've seen a lot of guns in this extremely cold weather freeze. And then, so either it's either the trigger mechanism or it's a firing pin mechanism that'll freeze. So you don't want oil and grease on your trigger firing pin and all that. So it, not only your guns though, I would get all, all my gear that I'm gonna shoot with ready, get my pack ready. I have, uh, I have uh, my little dry bag with my puffies. It's always, and even in the summer, I mean, I'm not using my puffies in the summer, but I have a rain jacket. A lot of our shooting schools will throw the rain jacket out just because it's a little cool, you know, windy. Um, it's not raining, but that's all you need. Um, have that in your pack. Have all of your stuff. I take my, if I get, if I get new shooting sticks, I take the uh, little carbide tips, slide those out, put a little epoxy in them so that uh, when you're hunting, they don't stick in the mud. Um, just all that little detail-y stuff. Get that stuff done. Get it ready. Um, make sure your bino harness is ready to go because we use that to shoot off of a lot because it's always with you. you. Got your range finder ready. I just batteries put new batteries. Finder, I just yeah. put new batteries in and my. And if you range have illuminated reticle weekend. on your scope, yep. put a new battery in. So I mean, that's all just stuff you can uh, you can get ready for. Um, you can prairie dog shooting. Yep. Gophers, squirrels, yeah. anything like that in your area, you can get out and shoot. Um, again, it doesn't have to be long range. Um, the 22 stuff. I shoot 22 out my. Uh, I got a real nice 22. Actually, it doesn't have a scope on it right now. So. But the other thing about 22s and or not 22s, but prairie dogs, um, it's a it's amazing how hard they are to range and range properly. And that's a, a good, flat surface. That's a good tool, you know, because people don't understand how hard it is to range some of this stuff, and and you figure it out in a hurry. Um, have good stuff. I replaced all my batteries and my rangefinders this weekend, and I put new spares. Um, where I have them and have them ready. So uh, batteries, spares, uh, you know, get your gun cleaned up, get it lubed, clean your brakes, clean your suppressors. If you have a suppressor, you can tear apart. One thing yeah. you tell them. And let's, practice, thing, shoot, well, shoot, well, I, shoot, I, like when you clean, When you clean with a suppressor on, take the suppressor off, don't clean the suppressor. You don't have to clean a suppressor unless it's really dirty. But the muzzle brake, if you have one that you can't take off, when guys clean the gun, they'll have, they'll, there'll be a lot of cleaning fluid and oil and stuff in that brake. And if you don't clean all the brake off with the compressed air and or Q-tips or shoot it, it so let's say you bring it home and clean it at home and you put it away and you haven't cleaned the brake, you tip the gun up, all that stuff runs in the barrel. So it's a mess. So, so you either got to take the brake off if it's one that has you can set it properly, but if it has a crush nut on it, um, or don't have the right tool, a lot of our I, I use a punch like a, a the same punch you might use for like you would change a trigger with. Um, just a hard punch will go in the hole or a screwdriver on some of these and take the the brake off. And some of them use a knurled knob, which is like some of the self timing brakes. And like the one brake we use that uses two. It's got a big wrench. Allen wrench. Yeah. So there's different ones you can use, but make sure. To clean your brake if you uh, clean your gun. And I, one of the reasons I, I don't shoot my gun other than my target guns, like 50, 60 rounds, because I never hunt with a gun that's 50 or 60 times shot, I like to keep my gun consistently clean, so but not perfectly clean. And so let's say if I, I want to know what my cold bore shot is, I also want to know what my shot is on a brand new clean barrel. And that's really critical. One of the tricks I, I, I was taught by Daryl Holland, and every gun's different, you need to check it and see. So after we would clean the barrel, and I clean the chamber, then run another dry patch to the barrel and clean off the, any solvent that's on the end. I would run a couple oiled patches or bore conditioners, run those down the barrel, 
and then run two to three up to four dry patches down and then check your bullet impact. What happens is when you have a perfectly clean barrel, the first shot is anywhere between say 25 and 70 feet per second slower. So on a long shot, your bullet impact is gonna be different out there. So when you put that little light coating of oil and obviously you don't wanna, if you leave it in there, you'll cause hydraulic pressure. So you gotta get the oil out. But that first shot, like Daryl would say, is closer to your uh, a foul bore. So there's a better chance that your first shot will be closer to your, your impact on a foul bore. So if I keep my gun consistently clean, I don't need to shoot three or four shots through it to bring it back. One or two usually gets it perfect. Um, but a lot of times in, in a really wet, nasty environment like brown bear hunting or sick of blacktail hunting, I'll hunt with a perfectly clean barrel that has a light coating of oil on it and dry patch because it, doesn't, it won't rust and it won't have any um, moisture that basically builds up on the carbon and the powder in the barrel. So the dirtier your barrel is, if you're hunting in crazy bad conditions, your first round impact, I've seen it go, get really bad on a 10-day hunt. If you hunt for 10 days in the swamps and then you shoot, your first round impact can be drastically off and much more off on a, clean, uh, on a dirty foul bore, which should, it was just fine for the desert, than a perfectly clean bore that has an oily patch ran through it. Darryl's so you have to of, test. He's kind of hardcore on cleaning, though. He's, he's, he, 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 he's he in cleans, the other cleaning he camp cleans to, He cleans to his <laughs> pot. I, I won't clean all the copper yeah. out of my gun, probably every 150 to 200 shots. But if you, if you don't at some point clean it up, it can build up over time, then your gun won't shoot dirty. It won't shoot well clean. So I want a gun that will shoot fairly well clean and also somewhat dirty. And so your suggestion is clean, get that sucker, know your gun, and have it ready. No, yes. Yours. My suggestion is shoot, 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 shoot. And don't clean, don't clean. Don't clean as, <laughs> don't, don't overclean it. I love it. <laughs> overshoot yes, it. I, I love it, everybody. Listen, don't over, shoot, 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 but don't overshoot it. Don't overclean it. Don't overclean oh, it. Oh, don't overclean it. But every gun is different. Say, did I, I say, say overshoot it? Now you sound like my wife. You want it this way, but you're only, you know. Did I say overclean yeah. it or overshoot <laughs> it? No, I meant overclean but, uh, but every it. Gun, don't overclean it. But every gun is different. My 375 H&H with a monolithic soft bullet like a Barnes, it will go from a one-inch gun to a two to three inch gun, if I shot, if I shoot it twenty times with the barns. Well, here's the other thing I do is I have two. I make sure I have two hundred and fifty rounds loaded up going into yeah. the season. I don't want to run short. Same lot, same, same powders, same, same everything. Primers. Everything's ready to go. It's all done. Because a lot of guys right now are having to go buy one box of shells here, yeah. another box of shells here. You need to check if that's not the same lot and one you bought from the year before. You need to go check when you get the new gun. You, you have to. You cannot be afraid to re-zero your gun. When you go to a new hunting place, a new temperature, a new climate, a new elevation, you need to re-zero the gun. Just because it was good here, just like your tire pressure in the summer, you need to change your tire pressure when you go into winter Don't driving. sight it in with the Federals and then shoot your yeah, trophy oh my ram God. with uh, Hornaday's. So for... So for <laughs> What would you do, Brian? <laughs> I sure the hell wouldn't do that. Um, well, let's say you're, let's but say you're for hunting. For me, my suggestion would be, hold on, Brian, if I may. Um, my suggestion would be set your rifles up the same. Okay, I've been doing this for years, and I got that from Texas Pistol, too. My big caliber, I don't shoot very often. You know, I had a 7 mag. What that is was your big a, caliber? 7 that, mag. Oh, okay. 7 mag was my big caliber rifle. And that would be a puppy dog for some guys. I, I, some guys be like, that's a puppy dog. But listen, you said it best the other day. If an arrow can kill it, that bullet can kill it. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, if, if a, bow can, kill, if a yeah. bow can kill an animal, a 243 can kill it, it. it. Exactly. So I've always been aim small, miss small guy. And so my big gun was oh, it was a seven mag, and and I have bigger guns. I have what three hundred wind, uh, no three hundred rum, um, but even that I I had that gun set up exactly the same as my yeah. other guns. You couldn't and tell when you were got behind it. You if you were going to get beat on once, you still wouldn't have known before it. That's got, right. It, before it gave you before it was ready to 
dose out a beating to you. You just thought it was your puppy dog. <laughs> exactly. So for me, so for me, I shoot most of my rounds downrange in right. a very small caliber rifle that I coyote hunt with. I'm very comfortable with it. It doesn't kick. It doesn't create any type of, uh, um, you know, anticipation or target right. panic, if you will. So I would set all my rifles up the same, which I have three of them right. set, even down to my 22 now, is set up the same. You know, so when I get similar behind that gun. Similar trigger pulls. Yeah, it's, it's similar trigger pulls, everything. Same cheek piece. Yep, and then the second thing I would do is I would dry fire every day, all day, dry fire, dry fire, dry fire, dry That's fire, good dry fire. Even a couple days a week, because most guys do none. Exactly, but like you said, I, I watched a guy out here last week. Like, So we have this little plant right across here. He gets out of his truck. He's unloading his semi. He jumps around opens the door, grabs a, a, a little target that he ran out there, and while he's unloading his, you know, his truck he's driver, shooting his he's shooting his bow. And I'm sitting there going, I, I, hey, brother, I should take you a Rolling Bones hat and say, here you go. Right. And, and I was actually going to, but he was dedicated. And here's my point. My point is to jump on your point, which is so many guys get a bow they shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot because and the it's rifle guys take it for granted. And the rifle guy, so so dry fire. Take that center that center fire rifle of yours and just dry fire away, man. I would have one more tidbit of advice. I love it. That because when we when I was coming back last weekend, I had a couple of the guys who had three hundreds with them, mm-hmm. <laughs> and they go, I can't remember, but the younger guy goes, Hey, what did you think? You know, now that you got to know us all for, I said, Well, you want to know what I thought? I said I had one profound thought because there was three of you guys with 300 mags. And as I left that night, I thought, those three poor bastards, they're in for a long day tomorrow. And they were. Yeah, every time they <laughs> rolled over, they went, so uh, they whimpered my, like a puppy in the middle of the night. Shooting my, prone on a 300 is difficult. Don't overgun yourself. Don't, don't buy a gun or don't use a gun for the what if hunt. I'm going to elk hunt one day. Uh, what are you going and, and six, to. A six Creedmoor will kill an elk. Yeah, so. I know. The, oh, everybody's like, "Oh, did you just so, say that?" Yeah, all day, every day. But use something that you how can shoot. How many elk have been killed by a two forty three? How many elk have been killed by a two forty three? A few, not not any today, probably. Brazilians, no, no, not as many as a thirty thirty or thirty out six, right. but a lot. So here's a good here's a good example of the bullets too, because you guys are shooting monolithics again now, and I have shot him a lot. So quick story, guy buys a six five Creedmoor. This is a friend of a friend. This guy's a great hunter, but doesn't understand ballistics well. What is everybody promoting with a 6.5 Creedmoor? It's like the ballistic, like the... 147. But you got to keep in mind, hunting British Columbia for elk is hunting in the thick stuff. This is what we call the West Kootenays. Big bulls, thick. They get in, they call a bull in. It's kind of like archery hunting with a rifle. Not quite, but it's thick. There's some devil's club. So they shoot this bull at 35 yards. They lose a bull, a giant bull. And they said, well, the 6.5 Creedmoor sucks. It had nothing to do with the 6.5 Creedmoor. I said, what bullet? My friend said, well, what bullet were you shooting? Well, I was shooting the 143 or ELD. And, it, and they said the bullet didn't penetrate well. Well, had he been shooting it, that's why I'm a big monolithic guy. Because on a monolithic bullet, if he had been shooting a horny GMX or he'd been shooting a Barnes or one of the bullets we're shooting, the Badlands or Cutting Edge or anything, you could have shot that bull in the shoulder and the ass and killed it. So these bullets that we're shooting that are super accurate and a lot of gunsmiths and, and outdoor writers are promoting, they're a great bullet for hitting animals broadside or at longer ranges. But you, they're not an all-around bullet for anything. And you can see that better than anything when you go to Africa. So in Africa, a good example, 22-250, 375, bull shooting Barnes. 
Now, I didn't try many Texas heart shots with the 22-250, but when you shoot an animal broadside with both guns, uh, let's take an Impala. I killed like 85 Impala, so I had a good example. Killed probably three-quarters of them or four-fifths of them with the 22-250 versus the 375. If I hit them both in the lungs, they could die at about the same. They'd run 40 to 80 yards and die. Now, if I double-shouldered them with a 2250, sometimes they drop, sometimes not, but they'd usually not, maybe go 20, 30 yards. If I double-shouldered them with a 375, almost never went anywhere, but it's a small target to double-shoulder them. <laughs> now, when I did the Texas Heart Shot, I don't try and do that with the 22250. With the 375, I did four in a row, two Wildebeest, two Impalas, zero yards, zero steps, zero follow-up shots, 100% dead. Had I shot that animal now with the six Creedmoor, at 30 to 50 yards, who knows? It's going to be inconsistent. And that's why I shoot the monolithics for those because it doesn't matter if it's 10 yards or 300 yards. It doesn't matter if I hit a little bush or tree five yards from the animal, it's dead. And so you have to know just because you have a good target bullet doesn't mean it's going well, to be a good Well, the other thing bullet. I think is people get so into reading all these writers and everything, so they go out and buy these target bullets, they buy these long-range bullets, and they have no business doing it anyway because they're only going to ever shoot anything yeah. at two or 300 yards, and that BC is, has this much, this much influence well, at that range. I have so, a question. Yeah. Question for you. How much, uh, how much do you rely on free shit given to you for going out and doing stuff? I never have. Even when we had the television show, nobody None. was free shit. So I, what doesn't make sense to me, because all this stuff, all those guys rely on, it's all, f okay, what, what am I getting given to me? Right. <laughs> okay, I, I, I'm going to get to go on this hunt with these guys, and I'm going to shoot their gun. And so I'm, I'm going to write an article. It's actually a really Quite good frankly, point. frankly, it's like, I'm like, yeah, it's a really I, good I like, point. what the hell, brother? All, all this is is a free hunt with this guy's gun. With the, I mean, it just absolutely doesn't make it makes less than zero sense, and right. that's not possible. Well, that's not well, honestly. That that's the platform. Like, what we the have heck? There. Well, if you if, okay. if you want to hunt with one gun, which I did for years, that my I, six I five six for my for I, I had three bullets for it, and one was a target bullet and screwing around bullet and maybe a sheep or an antelope. But when I was doing serious stuff, it was long, a swift and you a had frame. The long it was a swift ammunition. a frame or the Barnes or the cutting. It was the um, Lost River ballistic. I didn't screw around with the other stuff. I had too many bad experiences. So people would say, well, I shot an animal with a Barnes bullet and it went 100 yards. You know what? But I can tell you, I'm not saying Barnes bullets are everything. And I know a lot of guys that have a problem with Barnes is they shot big Barnes and old guns that had slow twist and doesn't stabilize them. And that's where you have a problem with the Barnes more than anything. Shooting a 257 Weatherby with but a one and whatever twist. that's back to the point where they need to go right now. They need to know. They need to go figure shoot, it out. Figure it out. Shoot five ammos. Yeah. Here's the thing that always drives me crazy, too. People are like, well, I don't want to go spend $500 on ammo. Right. You're going on a $10,000 hunt, a $6,000 hunt. Oh. You've been drawing a tag for 11 years and you just drew it. And you're, How even if it's DIY, How often do you have you to tell me to shoot again? Oh, yeah. uh, what oh the heck? Well, Is it not fun to shoot? I like shooting. Why yeah. wouldn't you go shoot? shoot. Well, but let's say if somebody has a 28 nozzle, though, that, that, that is not even a 1,000-yard. That's not a 1,000-round gun. That's like a five 600. So then, so practice. Get the same practice with your 22250, yeah. the 223. And then if you want to save that expensive Kyle, gun. Was his name Kyle that was just here? Yeah, 28. Yeah, Kyle with his 28. He spent half of his barrel life. Yeah, he, at our he blew range. half of his barrel life. <laughs> I, I, I sat there and shook my head. I'm like, oh my god, brother, what? what but are that's we what doing I did. So I, so a lot of guys, I used to be like just shoot everything with one gun. Now, when I travel around the world, I have to shoot a bunch of different guns. My African gun is not my sheep gun. Hey, thanks for setting my, my African gun. gun up. Oh, you're welcome. It shot great. Yeah, big but shot. anyway, so I, I get, I like to get good at shooting any gun. I mean, it doesn't matter as long as the gun shoots well. It doesn't matter to me as long as it's fit well and it's set up for me. 
This one has a Leopold. This one has a Night Force. Like this a one has a Swarovski. It's like a shotgun. I don't. I don't care what shotgun I'm shooting as long as it fits me. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. It, it makes me no different. What's the name brand is on as long as it fits me. I I I have I have a contrarian view because I was in Mexico with a single shot. I wanted one that kept jacking <laughs> shells out. But I focused a lot more on my first shot. I was way, way, way more yes, you did. on that first shot. Yes, you did. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, well, those well, are some pretty good tips, I think. That's that's a lot to think about, digest, um, and uh, yep, No, out, really huh? good. No, you're exactly right, Brad. Listen, we appreciate you plugging in. Be sure to uh, subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcasts. You'll find us at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play Podcast. Uh, pretty much everywhere or anywhere that they offer podcasts or you can get podcasts, we're on that uh, venue, if you will. Hey, listen, also leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Uh, tell us what topics you'd like to hear. And uh, we got a few of them that we're ready to go. Um, uh, yes, thank you. Um, if you're listening to this and you say, hey, I want help, I want access, I want service, I want value, I want education. You have to go to rollingbones.com and check out our membership. Whether it be a silver, a gold, or the platinum, whichever one would fit you. And if, you know, the gold's our most popular because we do all species. Uh, we do your apps. Unlimited, we do your apps. We do your apps. You. Yep, unlimited apps, unlimited species, unlimited states, 150 bucks. Gives you all access to what we're doing. And uh, um, you get a newspaper every other month. You get uh, all. I mean, you know our uh, our newsletter. It's it's our newsletter. I mean, it's just really good. No, it really is. So listen, go to RollingBones.com. Check out our membership. We're here to serve. We're built to serve. We want to help you offer service, access, value, and education. And until next time, be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.